Welcome to episode two. Do, yeah. do, do, do. We did it. <laughs> We're here. We're reading more. We made it <laughs> through that last chapter. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, welcome back. We are in the middle of Court of Thorn and Roses. A.K.A. Akatar. Akatar. This will be chapters 20 through chapter 34. Mm-hmm. I am going to be the host today, Sam Swags. Sam Swags. Sam Swags. <laughs> Spuds and carbs. Spuds and carbs. <laughs> That's how we go. <laughs> the starches. The starches are here. The starches. I'm Sarah Carbs. I'm Hannah slash Spuds. We are excited. We've been... Someone got a little ahead. I won't name names, Hannah. But... It was me. It was me. <laughs> it's fine. I own up to it. I bought book two, and as I bought it and was literally reading through chapter five, Sam texted me and said, by the way, don't read it until we can record the podcast. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> and then I just kept telling myself, just one more chapter. And then I'd feel guilty, and I'd be like, see, it wasn't that bad. Just one more. And then I'd put the book down and repick it up and be like, you know what? Just one more. Sure, no. But I could only do that for so long. So I'm sorry. <laughs> what, what did you say to me, Spuds? You said, I, I, you know, I only read up to chapter three. But I didn't tell you about the zero. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually, book. when I looked at it, it was 38. But yep. who's counting? Um, so you did this to me. <laughs> I did. These books are pure crap. Yeah. We can't fault Hannah for getting ahead. No. Because now, but now it gives me an excuse to reread ahead. Yeah, you're welcome. And me an excuse to catch up. (laughs) So, the first 20 chapters starts with, we're following a human named Farah, whose life gets turned upside down after she kills a fairy in the forest. And because of that, as punishment, has to live out the remainder of her days in the fey world of Printhian, in, specifically in the spring court with the High Lord Tamlin for the rest of her human life. Uh, we see her begin to adjust to her new life um, and slowly piecing together the curse that has been placed on Tamlin and the rest of his court and what those implications could mean for the human world. And the last chapter that we left off with is days before their big spring festival, right? Colin um, or the fire fe- fire night, not fire festival. <laughs> we keep confusing it with fire festival sorry, and fire sorry festival. in advance, but it will become just as destructive eventually anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so it's days before this fire night. Mm-hmm. Tension's starting to build between mm-hmm. Tamlin and Feyre. The sexual uh, kind. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, as their relationship starts to bloom, she is all of a sudden told that she can't attend this festival and they don't tell her why yeah they don't really tell her what happens or what they're doing in the festival mm-hmm. until way later she just goes and figures that and then when she's at the festival lucian tells her pulls then. her out of there and then tells her what is going yeah. on but before that they're literally just like no you can't be there don't ask questions just so stay in obviously your she's gonna go, go i would too like i'm like the forbidden fruit must be tasted like i <laughs> I just, like, I knew a party was going on. I could hear it, like, from my window. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, this is some bullshit. And not only did they just tell her to stay in the mansion, they told her to stay in her room. Mm -hmm. Like, a little child. Do you think, knowing how we know this whole section ends, they did this on purpose to, like, tempt her a little bit more? Yeah, but why would they want to tempt her? Because they knew that she couldn't come out. Because yeah, I don't she, think because it was they tempting. because they knew that she would go and it would tempt Tamlin to make like a like a very feral move on her and oh, I guess that could count. Oh, you know what I'm saying? I didn't think of it like that. So wait, let's 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 get in the context of what happens, and then we can unpack that theory because it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't trust anything that anyone did now. Like it's all suspicious. <laughs> well, hang on. So let's backtrack a little bit. So okay, and talk about. The Fire Night Festival. Fire Night. I'm I'm so sorry. I will probably accidentally refer to it as Fire Festival. At least a couple more times. I am so sorry. But Fire Festival. Fire Festival. (laughs) I also just can't 
call it Fire Festival for the purpose. It's Callan May, but like we're gonna call what we could just call it Fire Festival. I know there's no copyright potentially. I mean, they all went to jail anyway. It's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Farah, as we had discussed, decides to go anyway yeah. despite being told otherwise. Who could blame her? No. All she knows before that she's told that she has to be quarantined to her room is that. Other people from different courts have the freedom to come onto the lands to be a part of this festival, which I think is a big deal. And she's interested because she hasn't really seen many people around the grounds other than just kind of Tamlin's servants. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, we talked about in the previous episode how the castle's kind of, or manor, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. is kind of bare. And all of a sudden you're telling her that people from different courts are going to come in and she's going to have the opportunity to see people from different lands Mm -hmm. and... See how they're cursed. Are they wearing masks? She doesn't really know anything. Uh, But she did learn a little bit about the geography of it Mm -hmm. this past section, or maybe even before it, when she saw that map in the library. Finally getting context of the world that she's in and and trying to piece together what this curse is. Mm -hmm. So obviously, like Hannah had said, you know, what is everyone else's curses? Are people still living normal lives? Do they have these weird, funky, cold masks? Are they blue? Let's <laughs> um, <laughs> bring my new. You know that Netflix show? Is it cake? <laughs> is it blue? Is the fairy blue? <laughs> um. So she goes. Yes. She surprise, does. surprise, 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 and it gets sad. Oh, I was gonna say. I was gonna say. <laughs> also sad <laughs> like these these oh, well, hey wait also trigger warning these uh oh, the I upcoming apologize. no no also the events coming up um you could consider or i personally consider some of them to be sexual assault the way that they grabbed her mm-hmm. so just a trigger warning that's actually really good that you did that i think it's important to do trigger warnings um so yes but yeah. as she's kind of following through she's thinking it's not much of a big deal because everyone's so focused on this drumming that Mm -hmm. is going on and it's kind of weird and they're all sort of focused towards one direction some people are dancing some Mm -hmm. people are kind of chatting but it seems to be very low-key and very Mm non-threatening and then all of a sudden this group of men come fairy men fairy men without masks and they're they're from a different court Mm -hmm. and they are not fairy nice You're welcome. <laughs> oh, I can't. I love you were that. waiting to pull that out, weren't you? I You're love welcome. a good pun. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there's sir, money in puns. <laughs> if you ever, if you want to go on, I love it. Um, yes, so she is, I think, dragged off into like sort of like farther a, away from the right. people. So she's already kind of feeling a little. She's realizing that she's slightly in danger. That she's not around mm-hmm. a ton of people. And these men pull her out even further from them. Her horse is gone. And she is, like, kind of stranded at this Mm -hmm. point. Surrounded by these powerful or probably more powerful Mm -hmm. than her men. Right. Fae men. Or males. And and we're not entirely sure if it's necessarily sexual assault or just violent. But there is a promise in the air of one or the other. It's ill-intentioned. Yeah, it's very ill-intentioned. And then suddenly we have... Uh, the voice of a male. The most beautiful man she has ever, ever seen, seen in her life. Uh, says, I've been looking, I've been looking for, for you. you. Yes. And there's something about him that's very threatening to the other fairies. They, am- they instantly recoil. They instantly like, okay, bye. Nope, I, I wasn't even here. And they go. And yeah, she says it was the most beautiful man she ever saw. And let's pause here to talk about this. Because now mm. we don't know his name. No, we don't. We eventually find out later on in the section that we're reading but if any of you guys are readers of Sarah J. Mass, you realize that everything you love about Tamlin is about to go to shit. Yeah, no, she certainly has, um, who we find out is recent and later, that he's very attractive. Um, and she kind of, I won't say she brushes him off, but... She wants to find out what's going on in right, the Right, yeah, her, she's more interested in, she's like, okay, thanks for saving me, but I want to go check this out. She doesn't know if... She had been saved from a situation or walked into a more dangerous situation. Mm -hmm. But also she has a purpose and she can't be distracted by the most beautiful thing ever. Nope. And she does not let it get distracted. And she keeps going. I'm proud of her. Appreciate you. Bye. (laughs) She kept that thirst under wraps and I'm proud of her. Really. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. 
So she keeps going, and that's when... Things get kind of weird. Honestly, I got a bad vibe when she was going towards the center, because it kind of became a rhythmic beating in my head, the Mm. way that I had read it. I don't know if you guys got that kind of vibe from it, but I was kind of like, girl, you should not continue walking. Like, you maybe should just go back. It's kind of like a meditation, almost. Like a a meditation beat. Yeah, they had mentioned something like that. Especially because she was... There were descriptors before that she was, like, just constantly had this feel and draw to mm-hmm. the festival like that whole day mm-hmm. um so yeah there was definitely something to the music that was drawing the people to the center and energy like mm-hmm. when i think of drums like that i always think of jumanji and how yes. like do you remember that like how like the drums like get like and then they would like, stop like, and then it would hit the fan mm-hmm. <laughs> every time like every time you reach the game it would stop immediately but there was something like kind of like uneasy but also like pulls you in a little mm-hmm. bit about it yeah so so i th- i always i was like i bet you heard like the jumanji drums no i don't like um, that but so also weird. it's interesting to me that she had such a fear of fairies beyond the wall and kind of knows how dangerous it is to even be around one or two from how powerful they are mm-hmm. and the fact that she's just all of a sudden forgotten how dangerous it is to be in a huge mass of them I think was kind of strange to me. I know that she was interested and she thought she would be safe, but I didn't understand how kind of flippant she was about leaving to go do this. In my mind, she would be a little more stealth in the shadows, you know, but it seems like she was just weaving in between these crowds. Maybe she thought, like, she had a better chance of being unnoticed in a mass than versus, like, being more sleuthy, I guess, or, like, more in the background. Wouldn't they smell her? Well, and I that, was wondering about that, well, too. Exact, well, exactly. And I know she said she wore a cloak. Do you think they're just so focused on what's about to happen that they just don't care? Mm-hmm. I think so. Okay, back to the festival. So she finally gets down close enough to where Tamlin is and Lucien all of a sudden spots this human in a hood and mm-hmm. is like, uh-oh, what are you doing here? Lucien says, tonight Tam will allow great and terrible magic to enter his body. The magic will seize control of his mind, his body, his soul, and turn him into the hunter. It will fill him with his sole purpose to find the maiden. From their coupling, magic will be released and spread to the earth where it will regenerate life for the year to come. I think it means like the crops will be really good or something. Like something. Yeah. <laughs> In order to do this, he has to find somebody. Right. And he's got to pick from sense. And now that Farah has been mingling in the mix, he's going to want her. And I feel like she does a really good job of heeding Lucian's warning and mm-hmm. is like, okay, I think I've seen enough. I'm going to leave. That's a little scary. But also, I don't want to think about him another person. So I'm just going to go. <laughs> I'm just going to go. Doesn't also Tamlin tell her to, like, set a snare in her room? So that way if he does, like, break into her room in the night, like... Mm-hmm. She can slow him down a little bit. <laughs> Sorry, I just was thinking about that. He knows himself, <laughs> or he knows the hunter. <laughs> Sorry. Well, and then yeah, because he smelled Feyre out there, he does end up finding her after completing the ritual. It's hot. Sorry. <laughs> At some point, I dozed off at my vanity. I woke the moment the drum stopped. A shuddering silence went through the house, and the hair on my arms arose as the magic swept past me, rippling outwards. I was about to turn down the hallway when a tall male figure appeared before me. It's described as his mask silver and his hair golden, unbound, uncrowned, with laurel leaves gleaming. Mm -hmm. Going somewhere? She says midnight snack. His bare chest was painted with whirls of dark blue woad. And from the smudges of the paint, I knew exactly where he'd been touched. Uh, I tried not to notice that he descended <gasps> past the, his muscled midriff. What? She knew exactly where he'd been touched. Sexually. Oh! <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Sam gets it. Wait. <laughs> I didn't even realize it was foreshadowing. Wait. That is a foreshadowing moment that I did not realize until you just reread that. You'll catch it in the next we'll section. We'll talk about it in the last it section. It is in this book, but there's something about being able to see oh, where I someone need... has touched you. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry. That's I'm, crazy. I'm, I'm marked, I, need a, I need my stickers. Can I steal one of your stickers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, Carbs so, is so confused. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> Shall we keep going? He essentially bites her neck. What is with Sarah J. Moss and scent? Like, well, and you know what? That's also in Blood and Ash, too. There's something about, like, how, how fantasy thing. Well, how, yeah. well, how like scent reveals emotion, reveals arousal, arousal. I think it's a character trait to the idea of these animalistic fantasy characters because animals in real life have a such strong sense of scent, um, and I think that maybe that just kind of brings out the more animal side, and so reminding people of sense and how powerful it is might help you stay in the moment of kind of understanding what it's like to be on the animalistic side of it. That's actually a really good point. Like and how I, dogs are like, I mean, I'm just thinking about dogs, how they can communicate with sense. Like how it is kind of, it's an, it's an extra layer of communication. Let's finish uh, the fire festival. Well, I mean, we're pretty much done yeah, with we're it. Done with that. He bites her. It's a little sexy. He leaves a bruise on her. She smacks him. She does smack him because he bit her too hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She calls him out the next day on it in yeah. front of Lucian. That's right. Doesn't she wear like something kind of like like revealing to be like, look what you did to me. It's all you, yeah. dude. This you did that. <laughs> um, and I. Yeah, and of course, like, Lucian is just like, ugh, this is gross to watch. <laughs> I love him. I love him so much. He is definitely the platonic guy friend that we all want to need in our lives. You know, I was really, I feel awful because, like, I really, I was very suspicious of Lucian for a long time. Yeah. Because he didn't come to her rescue with the whole surreal. Yeah. And then, of course, like, every time she does something, he's like, stupid human, you're an idiot, and annoyed by their relationship. And I feel like he's even said to Tamlin a few times, are you seriously going to do this? Questioning his actions and, and, and whatnot. I feel like it is interesting that his reaction to her being at the festival was kind of extreme, and he kind of really put her down to get her out of there. But do you think that... When he saw her, he was like, oh no, everything that we've worked towards, you just put in jeopardy by showing up to this festival full of fairies. It was very threatening in regards to everybody since so many people are affected by this curse. Like, it would ruin a lot of things. And it was the last year, so they they could not afford to fail in, in this, in this uh, I mean, time period. not even, I mean, this is weeks at this point. Right, that's right. I mean, this is it. All right. So the biggest thing that happens next is we're starting to get to see Tamlin and Feyre get a little cozy, getting to know each other, and it's kind of Feyre's further education into the fairy realm and just what it's like to be a fae with their afternoon at the meadow. Yes, and he tells her about how like he can hear things that she can't and see things that she can't, and she is curious as to why, and she wants to be able to see it too, because he's like, I could show you. How? And he says, every gift comes with a price. I frowned. He grinned. A kiss. Absolutely not. But my blood raced, and I had to clench my hands in the grass to keep from touching him. Don't you think it puts me at a disadvantage to not be able to see all of this? I'm one of the high fae. We don't give anything without gaining something from it. And I marked this because I knew this was going to be foreboding. Like, I knew that there was, like, something about this idea of there's more to come. Because she is there rent-free getting dresses and her hair done all the time. And I'm like, this is all coming at a price. I get that it's a life for a life, but she is getting spoiled and I don't trust this, and I feel like this is him winking at the fact that she has not paid her price for this. I had this weird feeling when they got back because when he gave her some sight of what the fairies feel, he kind of released some of the glamour that he originally put on the world. Mm -hmm. She didn't recognize Alice, and I had a moment where I was like, this just turned into a thriller movie, or what if she walks around and people have just more faces and stuff. I was so nervous that everything that she thought she saw was totally fake. I thought that she was going to turn around and the manor would be just decrepit. It got me right. so nervous. I don't know. It made me feel like you don't really know anything. You don't mm -hmm. know what's going on and you don't know how much he's actually glamored anything, which kind of made me distrust Tamlin in a way. I didn't know originally that he was glamoring a lot of the people that were in the castle, because we thought the castle was bare, but it wasn't. It was fully stocked of people. That was like the craziest surprise. Which... I don't like that. Mm -mm. Yeah, it just that... rubbed me the wrong way. Why Why did you have to do that for her? It wasn't like those people were intimidating mm -hmm. and she was totally fine with it, but I don't know. That just, he 
did that to be sly in some way. It's like I, I'm only like you can only see what I want you to see. Like Which I'm only I'm only showing you me, my manner, my staff, and my, my good your, looks, my environment from the way that it looks good, or it's not intimidating. Of course, like seeing a castle full of fairies that like they some look like wood, some were super tall, some were. Did she say some look like bugs too? Like and were kind of creepy looking. They were not. Well, those are the lower face. They right. are much less human looking. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones that he glamored away mm -hmm. because... Oh, that makes me feel so... Oh, it kind of reminds me of, like, the house elves thing almost a little bit. Like elves. in Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. With, like, Dobby and all them. They're just meant to not be seen or heard, but they're in the background. And it's <gasps> kind of sad. The lower fae. Like, what a... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. The whole time she's just walking around this desolate manor and it feels so unwelcoming and the whole time it was just littered with people. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of embarrassed because they talked about the time where she saw the... She had the hallucination with her father. She thought she was sneaking out of the house but she had a whole audience watching her. Which is it's kind awful. of mortifying. Yes. That's kind of embarrassing. Who are you to be able to decide what people can see and what they can't see? Mm -hmm. Um, so Feyre gets her chance to experience the fairy realm with all of the heightened senses. Speaking of getting the heightened senses of being a fairy, uh, she starts to attend the summer solstice. And it's there that she has fairy wine for the first time, which gets you mega drunk. Little. And foreshadowing. <laughs> To the party last party, half of the yeah. book. So, like, yeah, just her and Tam will get closer and closer. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's he's serenading her on the violin. He's, like, hitting that fiddle hard. And she is, <laughs> she is dancing like a crazy person. <laughs> and Lucian is trying to help her out. Like, he's trying to get her to not to drink as much. She's like, no, I'm going to do me. And she gets wasted. Um, and she has a lot of fun, though. She's dancing. It almost sounds like she was on, like, peyote like because it wasn't like, or like ayahuasca or something because it doesn't sound like you know like it's not like she's stumbling but she's like i was feeling the earth and i was the earth and the earth was me and i was spinning and the world was spinning and i was flying and we were all together and love exists and dreams come true she was just a hippie right right and tamlin's like spinning her around and they're dancing and he takes her to a field and they watch the Willow with the Wisp. The Willow with the Whips. Wisp? Willow Wisps. Willow Wisps. Willow Wisps. And there are these dancing sort of particles? Or like spirits? Spirits of air and light coming to celebrate the solstice. And then they decide to dance amongst the music. And that's when they have their first kiss. How'd you feel about the first kiss? It was cutesy. It was cute. Like... I I was, you know, it's kind of hard to go from him panning her against the wall and then... And biting her. And biting her and then going, But she calls him out on it. She's like, that's it? That's it. Ex exactly. And I would be the same way. I'd be like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> it didn't feel very sensual. It just felt like, I don't know. Your first kiss in high school. Right. It, it felt awkward, but in a cute way. It didn't give me the butterflies. Something that would make you feel like you've been wanting to do this this whole time that I've been here. Right. And I get he, I feel like he was trying to be respectful and a little more reserved. But when she said that was it, I don't know. I just wanted him to, like, grab her abruptly and, like, mm -hmm. essentially kiss her. Nah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not all that, but. I, I don't know why, but it felt very, just, like, not planned, but, like, expected. Because, you know, it's beautiful. She's drunk. I, like, th we're, we're listening to, like, music and, and people are dancing. And this is the perfect moment. The moon is in the moonlight and the, the things are singing. And, and we kiss. Move. There you go. Like, it felt very... Um, Nothing expected is like, yeah. like what else would you do when you're with right. an attractive it's, person that you've been having chemistry with, right. sexual tension building? It is time to kiss. And now you know that he's into you because he bit you in his feral ways. Yeah. And it's it's confirmed now. Now you can kiss because you both have confirmed feelings. And they yeah. definitely, like, up until this point, they've been like, hey, you totally, like, wink, wink, you totally pinned me against a wall. Wink, wink, yes, I did. Like, wink, wink. <laughs> it's very much been like, I know you like me. I know 
know you like me too. <laughs> so it's been a lot of that. And then it's this, but this felt very underwhelming. That's a good word. Yeah, it was very underwhelming. It was cute. It was awkward. Like a first kiss ought to be. But like for it. people, for two people who had like that much physical chemistry, it was not great. Yeah, for all the tension built yeah, up. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was like. Anyway. <laughs> With Lucian, you know, teasing, teasing them and the sexual tension just continuing to build. Between Tamlin and Farah after that, she's taunting him in front of Lucian, and he's like, make it stop. Mm-hmm. Um, this is embarrassing. He's like the brother. <laughs> he is. He he's... doesn't want a third wheel. Uh, but he's stuck with mm-hmm. it, and we all know why, and we will tell you all in a minute. Lucian has to talk to Tamlin about something that happened in the Winter Court. Now, this is going to be important to remember. The Blight took out two dozen of their younglings, their children, in the Winter Court. Oh, that was rough. Contacts say other courts are being hit hard, though the Night Court, of course, manages to remain unscathed. But the Blight seems to be sending its wickedness farther south with every attack. Womp womp. Blight's like a plague of some sort, or it's more like a military attack. They do keep referring to she, this female force outside that is causing this curse, mm-hmm. but no one actually has said who she is. Mm-hmm. Yet. Mm-hmm. Yet. After that news being broken and knowing that this curse is closing in on these courts, there is an unexpected guest. So as they're sitting at brunch, Lucian has to distract Tamlin and Feyre from their flirting at the table with some breaking news about the curse that's been looming over the courts. And children are a big deal to the fairies. Yeah, because they don't procreate very often That's because right. they have such long lifespans that it's very hard to get pregnant. So, like, having a child is so important. He's breaking this news. It's clearly whatever is going on is foreboding and coming in faster and faster. Their um, very heavy conversation is then interrupted by an unexpected guest. The most beautiful man in all the world that she's ever seen in her life. <laughs> so this is when we finally put a, a name... To the beautiful face of the savior at uh, Fire Night. Fire Night. Mm-hmm. Resound. Love it. Bow, chicka, wow, wow. <laughs> so, but he's kind of a prick in this meeting. We should mention when he first walks in, they glamour her behind Lucian so he does not see her sitting there. Yeah, he is completely unaware of Feyre's presence and he thinks that he is just like batting around Tamlin and Lucian. I mean, he kind of is. I love it. (laughs) I'm really mad that Feyre didn't say anything about Lucian's butt. Like, that would have been like right on top of her. Like, (laughs) I was too busy protecting her. We don't know anything about that. (laughs) And I would just like something to grab onto right (laughs) visually (laughs) and i love the descriptor of it it is interesting how the masks kind of make everyone else seem so much more powerful because they don't have this visual form of the curse on them Mm -hmm. it's also obvious yeah Yeah. these little weaklings do the masks but also you should always wear a mask if you need to right exactly It's a lot safer. (laughs) And and Tamlin keeps his control for the most part up until I think Rhysand gets into Lucian's face and he realizes there's something behind him. Well, he realizes because of the third place setting. Oh, that's right. They almost got away with it. I totally forgot. But it's funny. Because when I first met Rhysand at the festival, you kind of get this charmingness. And when he came through those doors, not knowing that she was there, that charm was gone. Gone. This like little flicker of, ooh, who's this mysterious charming man was like this frick. He was arrogant. He, like, walked in there like he owned the place. He's like, did you get my gift? Which was a dead body. It was a dead dead head. It was a head. It was a head. On a spike. On a spike. And they're like, yes, we received it. (laughs) Why, thank you. Resand is like, you're such a stubborn bastard that this must have seemed like a paradise compared to Under the Mountain, staying up in the spring court versus where everyone else is. I suppose it is. I'm surprised, though. 49 years and no attempts to save yourself or your lands, even now that things are getting interesting again. There's nothing to be done, conceded Tamlin. Then why are you doing this? I know, if there's right? nothing to be done, why are you messing around with Feyre? 
I hate that. Like, he's such a pushover. I know. Tamlin? Yeah. yeah. Resand, kind of in like a sarcastic kind of reaction, is like, at least I have embided my time among the hedges and flowers while the world has gone to hell. Oh, oh yes. So we need to talk about how they almost got away with Feyre hiding there, hearing this whole conversation until, you know, this man saw a third dinner plate. Oh, I didn't know you had company. Where and then are he they? all of a sudden is looking at Lucian just standing by the window curtain. You dare glamour me. Yeah. He growled. Yeah. <laughs> and so he clearly finds out that Feyre is there. He's infuriated. Also, extremely important that I do not want us to forget about. He humiliates Feyre and he tells, like, Tamlin that... that she they... has the most delicious thoughts about you, Tamlin. It's pretty rough to have said out loud by a stranger. But all Tamlin does is just say, let her go. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, to, for him to get this information out of Feyre, he's torturing her. He is manipulating her mind with whatever Rhysand's ability is as a high lord. Let's talk about it. So one, we just figured out that he has the ability to literally manipulate your mind, which is very scary. I think it's also implied that Rhysand is a much more powerful high fae than Tamlin. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the other thing that I think is really important to mention, one, he says some horrible things to Lucian because Lucian claims that Feyre is his fiance or betrothed and he's like oh you're going for humans again especially after like yours was murdered that's a that's a pretty crass move by your dad and brothers don't tell your mom and then he asks for Feyre's name and she Mm -hmm. gives him a fake name well not a fake name but he she gives him the name of a girl in her village that she thought was a neighbor of no consequence her name was Claire better oh so that leads to Tamlin literally kissing Rhysand's feet, begging to not divulge oh. Feyre in I, the house. I cringe. It was a very oh. pathetic scene to listen to, and it was hard to just watch someone. I, I understand that it's a, there's a vulnerability of him trying to do things in a non-confrontational way, but watching this man who she's just kind of put on a pedestal and is really falling for get down on his knees and grovel to somebody is cringe. That was rough. It also kind of took away this idea in my head of how powerful I thought Tamlin was. And then when you see him next to someone else powerful, where he just seemed so small in Mm -hmm. that moment. I felt kind of bad for him. I'm sorry. Like, if you're not going to fight this man, and you're just going to bow down, you might as well not even bother bowing down. So, Rhysand finally leaves, and... I do want to read something from here that I think is really telling of Tamlin. It says, the house has been quiet for some time now, but the ripples of Tamlin's rage echoed through it, reverberating in the woods and stone and glass. That's right. He was, like, throwing shit. Yep. But then it leads them on to them finally getting it on. Coming to a... I forgot that he fucked her before he was like... Okay, I'm going to send you home now. But let's, like, do it. Mm -hmm. It's fine. Actually, you know, I have no problem reading their sex scene. Why? Because I knew something was up after I read that. Because it was so anticlimactic. Like, it was just, he went down on me, we came together, the end. Like, (laughs) it was so, like, I'm just saying, like, for all of this to build up, to go through all of that with Resand, and... And then, I know it's literally then, only a page. Right, it's a, it's like a half a it's like half a paragraph. Like it was so anti-love, and I knew I'm like, okay, Sarah J. Moss would not have done this if she wanted us to end up with Tamlin. This is so anticlimactic. It just was like such a blip in their whole physical chemistry. I'm like, well, this is some bullshit. How shitty is it that he finally fucks her and then is like, I'm sending you home. You're leaving tomorrow. Not cool. He essentially just, like, did a one-night stand with her and then called her an Uber. <laughs> like, <laughs> it made me feel so just, like, cheap. Oh you know God. what I mean? I mean, he did send her home with, like, <gasps> trunks. But hey! Look at this. I don't think he told her he was sending her home until after he slept with no, her. No, he didn't. So I feel like that's kind of shady because he didn't give her the choice. No. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to send you home tomorrow. Let's make this night matter. And he's it like, was not romantic. No, it was not. I feel bad for her. I mean, we all felt bad for her. So, 
Feyre unfortunately leaves. She listens to him. He but pa- he does. As he packs her up in the carriage, he does tell her that he loves her. Oh, but she, she doesn't, doesn't say, say it back. back. But she says she she didn't know how to, <laughs> she didn't know how to, and she was sad, and she doesn't understand why he's sending her home. Really, the Suriel told her, "Stay with the High Lord and live to see everything righted." Stay with the High Lord, Feyre. Which one? Oh, now now we ask that question. <laughs> Which one? One. Um, and I actually, I don't think she would have said I love you, even if she wanted to. Because, I don't know, it feels forced. It's just like, and I feel like Tamlin's was kind of forced. I don't think I could say that genuinely when you literally just told me that you're making me go. Yeah. After just constantly slamming it into my head that the only safe place is in the manor. Right. It's like, okay, so now you think the human realm is safe all of a sudden for me? What about a life for a life? Do we just not care about this thing anymore? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, and you know what's so, oh, this is so frustrating. The whole part of the, be- like, beginning of the book, Feyre is working with Lucian to break the treaty and find a way that a life doesn't mean for another life mm-hmm. and that she should be able to go home. There's got to be some way <laughs> some way to let her stay in the human realm and then all of a sudden when it's inconvenient for Tamlin, it's like, you know what? Actually, there is a way to send you back. I took care of it. Don't worry. Fuck you, okay? Fuck you. This is why my reaction was so funny because this whole, like, this whole reason why she was here was because of this treaty. This... Ir- immovable, undisputable treaty. Unbreakable. And I, I agree with you. He's just like, no, I'll figure it out. <laughs> like, I love you too much. We got this. That yeah. should have been the first sign in my brain. I totally just kind of glazed over it because I was so offended by it. And I was like, well, at least we're going to see what Nesta and Elaine and her daddy are doing. Yeah, which I was curious about. But I was like, oh, so you can send her back then. <laughs> That's cool. Didn't know that. Well, I thought... I I genuinely thought that her family was going to be dead. I did not think that. I, I was like, who would take care of another person's family? Like, no, gone. Maybe I'm just ruthless, but I did, I did not think I know. they were going to be alive. When Tamlin's like, oh, yeah, I'm taking care of them. Like, I would be suspicious as hell. I did have a bad vibe where I was like, what do you mean by take care of them? Like, <laughs> I know, that's what I thought, too. Gone. Yep. <laughs> So, who wants to tell us about what we find with the Archeron family? They are living their old lives. Daddy-O all of a sudden can travel around and do trades and gets back into his little prince of merchant life. And the girls are all dolled up. They go shopping regularly. Elaine is set to be married. She's set to be married to some guy. And Nesta is still... She broke off her engagement. She did, but she's still a bitch. Yes. She is a little bit uh, stony. It was kind of sad coming home Mm -hmm. after like everything that had just happened and coming back to this reality. That's also not a real reality because everyone's glamoured and it's all fake anyway. Mm -hmm. It felt very disoriented. Um, Yeah. Like... Like, it wasn't quite real, like a bad dream she just woke up from. Yeah. Like, it didn't really... I mean, we'd spent so much time... It had to have been months months, at that point. Yeah, at that point. Feyre realizes that, you know, Elaine and her father have been glamoured. We also find out that Nessa was the only one that went to go visit Feyre, and that's because she was not phased by the glamour. I think Nessa's a really interesting character Mm -hmm. because she talks about how, like, she was always very hard on her dad because she wanted her dad to be the one to fix things for them when they were poor. And I think a big reason why she was so hard on Feyre was because Feyre enabled their father to Mm -hmm. not perform at his best. Not need to fight for them. Correct. But yeah, Nesta, Nesta's really interesting. And she was the only one who was not affected by the glamour. I think she said that she just had an iron will. And I mean, she probably was like, well, this is some bull. And she didn't buy it. It's so funny because as Feyre is realizing that Nesta didn't cave to the glamour, she comes up with this quote that's like, I'd forgotten how cunning her eyes were, how cold. She'd been made differently from something harder and stronger than bone and blood. She was as different from the humans around us as I had become. That's suspicious. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but it's really telling because that's a theme that you're going to continue to see with Nesta throughout the story. Mm-hmm. The sisters don't go away. Right. She's not phased. She's yeah. tough as nails. My gosh. And I think that's maybe partially why her and Feyre kind of butt heads. I think they're both, they're foils of each other to an extent. Like, I think... Nesta's on the more proud side, and Feyre's like, well, I mean, I gotta get this done. (laughs) This is what it is, and Nesta's like, no, I'm not going to accept this. Um, Denial. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I almost think about, like, all this work we've done, like, manifesting and stuff, Mm -hmm. and it's just, like, she is refusing to see her life any other way. But now she has it, and she's still not happy. I think she wants it genuinely. I also think she wants her father to be the one, like, she wants to be provided for, and I think if she has an inkling that this is not genuine, this is some random fairy that's just giving them stuff. Like, this is the same shit that her father fell for. I, I know you're going to say it's this. In the words of Kelso, damn, Jackie, I can't change the weather. <laughs> God. But, like, I mean, her father fell for bad business deals. Like... This is no different than that in many uh-huh. ways, I think. This is very triggering for her, and she's just like, I'm not going to get used to this. Like, I just feel like Nesta has seen this before, and she's like, I'm not going to go through this again. And I am not going to be dumbfounded when the rug gets pulled out from under us. It's almost like she's like, this is Cottage 2.0 or something like mm-hmm. that. I'm going to live... Like, we still are in those circumstances, and I'm not going to lose my wits about me. I honestly was very surprised when I found out that she went to go visit her at the quote-unquote aunt. And she hired the mercenary to take her. Yeah, that mercenary from the beginning. She is stubborn and proud and determined. Mm -hmm. And she was going to get to the bottom of where Feyre actually was. I wrote a note uh, when I read that that I was like, this is kind of maternal of Nesta. Like, this just felt like Mama Bear. I didn't see it like I, that. I felt, That's a great point. It's the first time she's just, ever been a good older sister. Right. I know, right? Well, and I think, you know, I think Nesta may have been closer with their mother. I mean, it certainly sounds like she is a spitting image, a spitting image of her and as well, like, has a very similar cold personality. Mm-hmm. As Feyre's back in town, she kind of does this nostalgic um, walkabout. She goes back to their old cottage she runs into Isaac, Isaac and his new wife. And she feels happy that she's closing the chapter. She's like, I am not mad. I never loved him, but I'm so happy that he's moving on. And um, she also runs into Nesta's ex, Thomas Mandre, and he was creepy and leery and a shady fuck. Yeah, because he was talking about potentially looting a house that had just been burned down. Yes. Which, honestly, I totally brushed past. I was just kind of like, oh, okay, cool. That stuck out to me, man. Like, I saw that. I'm like, that's coming back. I know this. Well, guess what? It it does. (laughs) And that's the turning point for Feyre, too. Mm -hmm. Like, because she was, like, she was really going to try to make this, like, being shoved back in the human world work for Tamlin's sake. Let's talk about it. So, they have this ball. Her dad throws a ball. Now that he's home, he finds out she's home. And he's like, you know what? I got to show all my rich, wealthy friends you're back home, let's throw a ball, because that's what rich people do. They plan it all out, She's they're talking about everything, and he's kind of schmoozing, and he's Mr. Moneybags now, and he's thinking about buying new real estate, and he's like, oh yeah, I think I might buy this spot where the house burned down. You remember the Better family? Mm-hmm. Claire Better's family. Completely annihilated. But she's gone. Claire's she's gone. missing. The rest of the bodies are burnt to a crisp. I will say at this moment... My jaw actually dropped, and I was like, "Damn, you little Sarah J. Mass." Okay, I did not see that coming. I that was a curveball, as slight as it was. It was a curveball that I did not anticipate. I was one hundred percent genuinely shocked by that. So I was like, "Give Sarah her roses." For Farah to have been so confidently say someone else's name like that, you just like, I don't know. I had that gut feeling. I was like, "This is gonna come back somehow." Don't know how. And then when that hit, it was just cement in my stomach. I was like, oh. My jaw dropped too. And I and I knew it instantly. Like, I thought it was Resan that might have been involved in it. But, because um, he, obviously he was the one that she told the fake name to. But and he might have. Mm-hmm. He might have been sent by Amarantha. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he obviously knew whenever he saw Claire that it wasn't actually Pharaoh. Yeah. But he kept a secret. 
you know, I thought that too. Like, he didn't say anything when this girl was brought up to the court and she's like, I don't know you people. <laughs> and they killed her anyway. And he knows when he saw her that that wasn't her. But also at the same time, he read Feyre's mind. I'm sure he knew that when she gave that fake name that it wasn't hers. I didn't even think about that. I did <laughs> not even think about that. He had to have known. But, but I remember, because I remember, I remember Feyre saying that like she kept her thoughts very clear or like yeah. unmoving but I guess you're right like if you're in someone's head then you would know that they're trying to avoid saying something that they know is right like that humming the <laughs> trying to like keep someone out he's like he speaks that Morse code <laughs> but yeah at this point Resan kind of mm-hmm. he took a bullet for her mm-hmm. I mean it cost a family and servants and a house and now Claire's missing mm-hmm. and he clearly knows it's not Farah, because he's he's he seen Farah twice now. Twice. Yeah, <laughs> he knows what she looks like. Yeah. I would hope. <laughs> so Farah decides that she needs to make this right. She also anticipates that they're going to come for her family, whether or not she knows that they will know that she lied, right. and they're going to come later. It's too close to home at this point. And it also goes to show that no matter what. Like, whether she stayed or went, that they were going to come for her. Right. And that, like, whatever Tamlin is trying to procrastinate on is going to happen. Needed to go. She needed to go because she just said, you know, and this is, she's taking her own advice that she gave her family. If anything seems weird, leave. You know what I mean? This is something that she told her family. Well, especially Nesta, since she's the one that is the most aware of everything happening. She's like, Nesta, protect them. Any weird sign, get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And Nesta tells her that don't come back. This is the second family yeah. member to tell her not to come back. Yeah. I think her family notices that Feyre has such great resourcefulness to her and that she's just better off. Like, not better off without them, but she's just can handle herself out there. This isn't the life that's meant for her. Right. That she's been living until this time. Right. So, like, they don't, like, as scary as the unknown is... They know that something is better out there for her, and they want to encourage that fire in her. Well, and it was interesting, Nesta's final parting words with her were that she would probably do the same. You know, once Elaine and her dad were good and she felt like she could leave, she was going to. She's Elaine, I can imagine there being a better world out there, and I'm going to see if I can find it. Elaine clearly thrives in that social scene. The socialites and all of that. And it's great. You love to see her thriving with that little bit of money that they finally have. It's a a bittersweet homecoming because it is short-lived. You might see them again in the future, but it's going to be so different because their world doesn't just stop because you're gone. There's a lot of nostalgia to this visit. Yeah. It's definitely the end of a chapter for Feyre. Literally. Final thoughts on the homecoming? I feel like we have to wrap this up so we get to the home shattering. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, what does Farah come back to in the spring court? She gets back to the spring court and it is a mess. There's blood everywhere. The manor's in shambles. The windows are blown out. Everyone's gone too. Very creepy. Mm-hmm. Until she hears someone hobbling around and it is no other than Alice. And... Alice tells her everything that happened. And I'm going to say this for everyone to hear. I was right. I was (laughs) I was so right. And when we got to the point where Alice explained the curse and the conditions of it and all of the things of why we are where we are, I was right. Because I knew that that wolf was like, yeah, you better off. Just just kill me. Just end it now. And that's what <laughs> Look happened. me in the eye and kill me. <laughs> and you gotta do it with hate in your heart because it's that specific. Like, I... <laughs> I was very shocked to find out that the curse was so specific to <laughs> Feyre. I'm not gonna lie to you. And it just made me question, like, everything. And I felt so... St- I can vouch for this. I was with her while she was reading it, and (laughs) she just kept saying, well, that's convenient. (laughs) It was hilarious. I'll drop a video later on. Yeah, yeah. No, I I mean, I even look at my reaction, uh, and and I remember how shocking all of it was, and how 
reading it was so, I want to say out of body because... You know what it is? You feel like you've been fooled because it's the thing where you don't really trust Tamlin because he's only showing you what you want to show. And even though the curse wasn't something that he could control, it's kind of like an unveiling of the tricks going on. And you feel like a fool. Right. You would definitely feel fooled and lied to. Let's give the high level, what are some of the important things that... Alice revealed first about the history of this, like why this curse is happening. Amarantha is a horrible general from Highburn. She is essentially dubbed herself the High Queen of Printhian. And she didn't really have much power. She's been stealing it from everybody else using some spooky powers. Mm-hmm. She cut it, she cut everyone else's power down to get her own. And you learn that it's essentially just a, a vendetta against humans because she lost her sister to a human warrior back in the war 500 years ago between Jurian and Clithia. It all started over love. Mm. And ended over love. love. Well, when we learn that Highburn, we, we learn a little bit more about the history. And Highburn is generally an area that absolutely hates humans. And they used to use humans as slaves. And to showcase how terrible Amarantha is, she, when she found out that she had to release her slaves, she ended up just killing them. Because mm-hmm. she was like, I'd rather them die than be free. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of sets the tone for how awful she is. She does not like humans, period. So the curse specific to the Spring Court was the joke that Tamlin was to make a human with hate in their heart fall in love with a fairy. The reason why Amarantha did this to Tamlin was because she has the hots for him. Yes, and, and he's been rejecting her. And he's been rejecting her. And he straight up said that he would rather sleep with a human than be with her. And as you are aware, uh, Amarantha does not like that comment. She's a little petty. She's a little, a little, a lot of petty. And <laughs> she kind of has gone AWOL from the King of Highburn. She came over here on a mission from him to start prepping for another war. And she kind of was just like made it her own mission. Right. So Amarantha, as a punishment to Tamlin for what he said, because she did not like it, for his words, he would have to be cursed to find a human who had killed a fairy with hate in her heart, would have to fall in love with him genuinely. Yes. Like, and, and, would have and say to, I love and you And say genuinely. I love you. And Which is kind of such a subtle dig to her leaving, you know, when he, like, left and she didn't say it back and then stood on it. There was probably feeling really dumb when she knew yeah. what she wanted to say. It yep. definitely propels that forward guilt that's gonna come. Right. Yep. Was there anything else about the curse that I'm missing? The treaty doesn't exist. No, I know. So, <laughs> so, so, yeah, and then, and it would take, he would have seven times seven. So he'd have 49 years exactly I have a question to about that. complete this. That wording, seven times seven, what is the meaning behind that? Seven times seven is forty-nine. No, I know that. <laughs> God, but like, what? There is, are seven courts. Why couldn't they just say forty-nine years? I don't know. It's fancier that way. Some seven fairy, times seven. Maybe fairies talk in like factorials, riddles? or sorry, or, or riddles. <laughs> I just feel like that was so weird. Seven times seven. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was some fancy you know, stuff. Give me a shout because I want to know. Yeah. Farah's like, fuck it, Alice, take me under the mountain. I love him. We're gonna, we're gonna cure this. And I think there are two things that kind of cause her to do this. Because normally, a normal person would be like, this is not my battle. Uh, you've kind of, you kind of set yourself up by sending me away. And he still had two more days. Whatever. Um, so he sent her off. And I feel like there are two things propelling her forward to do this. It's the guilt of knowing that she does love him and didn't say it and that cost him and his whole court life damnation to under the mountain under this vile person's rule and then i think the second one is she has nothing left to lose now yeah she really doesn't her family's uh glammed up what do they call it glamoured they're They're glamoured they're so glammed but but i think there also is this threat of okay if amarantha's gonna take over she wants to destroy the wall so no matter what pharaoh has nothing to lose because in a few years if if amarantha gets her way she's gonna destroy the wall she's gonna come down because she hates humans that's what the king of hybern sent her there to do 
I also think that Feyre is battling with the guilt of killing the betters. betters. Yeah. yeah. Of course, she's assuming something awful is going to happen to Claire. So I think that's also another reason why she's kind of on like a suicide mission, I guess is what you could call it. Yeah. She's, she's got to try. Yeah. She feels like she deserves this and that this is what she has to do to fix it for everybody, you know, to make amends for Claire, make amends for the spring court that took such good care of her. Now that she realizes that that was actually their friend and he sacrificed himself to get her over the wall. I feel like she also feels guilty about that. Yeah. Because she really has a hard time with killing anything. We talked about this, and this is why I was right. Because (laughs) they didn't talk about Andrus like he was some great friend of theirs. He was probably just like a little foot soldier or something. He took one for the team, and they're actually kind of grateful that it happened because now we can get this thing going. Mm -hmm. So she goes to Amarantha, and she goes under the mountain. And who is the first person she runs into? The Ator. Yup. Mm-hmm. And he drags her ass to the court. <laughs> and there was Judge Judy. <laughs> oh my goodness. Bring out the dancing lobsters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so of course, Amarantha's a little surprised. Like, who is this human? I didn't ask for a human. That wasn't on the menu. Um, and also, what is she doing here? Right. Like, why is she here? WTF. And she says, I'm here to claim Tamlin. And he just stands there silent. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say anything, doesn't really look like he's acknowledging Feyre. He doesn't he even was... look at her. I would be furious. Right. I would have been like, you know what? You can have him. <laughs> Walk my ass back across the wall. Yeah, you don't have to worry about me. I know the exit. You do not have to worry about me. You do not have to worry about me. <laughs> you are one hell of a decorator. <laughs> <Just> like... <laughs> you look like you have it settled. Well, like I'm not needed anymore. My post-it literally just says Tamlin's stoic reaction. So I was just so mad. Oh, it's so infuriating, especially knowing what we know now about the curse and the treaty and being like, you were so close, bro. Mm -hmm. You were so close and you could have had your power back. And Pharaoh is so nervous about it because it says he said nothing, his face impassive. What had she done to him? He didn't move. Her curse had worked then. I was too late. I had failed him, damned him. Oh, the guilt. And Amarantha's is like, Claire? Claire's right there, and she points behind the crowd of high fae, and Claire's mutilated body is nailed to the rock wall. Literally, Feyre's soul leaves her body. She's just so heartbroken. She knows that that moment that she gave her name to Resand, and She killed her. Yeah. yeah, she killed her. Her blood is... Claire's blood is on Feyre's hands. That is not something that Feyre takes lightly and that she will have to live with for the rest of her life. Because okay. Amarantha has just realized that... Who she sent out to be murdered was just a stupid human who wasn't in love with her fey god. Fey god. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to think of something to call him because he's technically like her love interest. Mm-hmm. But I kind of, I didn't laugh, but I just thought it was a little ridiculous that she was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense when this girl was screaming that she's never seen a fairy before and she had no idea who we were and she was horribly <laughs> confused. I mean, we slaughtered her anyways in question <laughs> <laughs> and I like read that part. I, I don't know why. I just thought it was so silly. That's so funny. Um, and of course, uh, one thing that we didn't mention was that Alice had specifically told Feyre not to make any deals unless it was life or death. Yes. Oh, that is a really good point that we should mm-hmm. talk about. Yeah. She said, no matter what you do, don't make a deal unless you really, really, really have to, and don't trust anything that's said to you. And it's like the first thing she does. (laughs) You told me not to go to the festival. I'm going going to the festival. festival. You told me not to make a deal that I'll die if I make a deal. I'm I'm making making a a deal. Deal Deal or no deal. I totally dealed. (laughs) I did it. (laughs) What she decided the deal was going to be was to break Tamlin's curse. She is too complete Three tasks of Amarantha's choosing, and his curse will be broken, and all of his court will leave here and remain free forever. That's a lot of pressure. That is. She tried to be as specific as possible, too, to make sure that Amarantha Amarantha didn't find a loophole to trick her in or out of that agreement. One of the other options was that if she could solve a A riddle, riddle. they could be released instantly. Oh, interesting. Uh, The other thing is... 
Feyre has to do some housework, too. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like, okay, we also just need someone to clean up around here. Too. Just a little, just a little, like, you know, some dishes. I mean, we kind of have to talk about our predictions for the for the next section, because if you think about it, Re- it sounds like Resan lied to Amarantha. Oh, and, he totally did. Yeah, and she could have gone her whole life. Like, she could she could have ran away yeah. with her family. So what is it about Pharaoh that just makes her so special to everybody? I don't know, man. <laughs> it's not the painting. It cannot. I refuse to believe it's the painting <laughs> skills. But, I, but what, for some whatever reason... They like people want that favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I think this is a really difficult place to make any predictions. I mean, I obviously predict that favor will survive somehow. It will not be good. I do think that her indentured servitude, like this, is only like the tip of the iceberg. I yeah. think this is going to be because I, you cannot give. All right, you cannot you cannot be given without gaining in return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I definitely think Feyre's going to pay a pretty heavy price in the next couple chapters. But we can't really, I have a really hard time predicting what's going to happen because the entire plot, just complete 180. I mean, this was more of like a romantic Beauty and the Beast ripoff. I'm sorry, it is. And now it's Hunger Games. Yeah, it's like Hunger Games Triwizard Tournament. It's like, but for Party of one. Plus like Cinderella, because she's like cleaning up around the place. And then we end this section with... Feyre getting the shit beaten out of her. She's accepted the conditions of the tasks. She literally is like, okay, cool. Beat her up. (laughs) Basically, yeah, absolutely. And that's how how that chapter 34 ends. So yeah, we're excited to go into the next episode. Do you have any last parting words? I can't wait. So yeah, until Mm. next time. Yeah. Bye. 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 Bye.